Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. weekend and, and it was a lot of people have birthdays this weekend and uh, and we, we had Harris's graduation which was exciting she is fun um, it's always great having Adam and Lauren I have this memory of Adam and I think yeah it's a good one <laughs> but if I remember correctly the night before you were baptized did we have dinner at TGI Friday I think it was the Sunday before the Wednesday when I got baptized. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why that is, but that's the decision. It was the TGI Fridays. It was the TGI Fridays, man. I don't know why that memory sticks out, but anytime I see Adam, I'm like, I feel like going to TGI Fridays. But you made a great choice there. It was fantastic. Um, so um, you can you can turn in your Bibles to First Peter. We're, we finished up the past... I don't know, a month and a half or so, we've gone through uh, the books of 1 Peter, the books of 2 Peter, and um, we're going to just wrap that up this afternoon. And um, here's hopefully something that we're all learning, is simply hearing a message just doesn't do the trick, right? There is so much goodness in this, and it's so deep, and there just is no way, and that's not because... I'm not trying to get you to do something because I want you to do it. I'm just saying that without us taking time each day um, to slow down and to have some time of introspection and self-examination to find out. I know sometimes it's been weird in the church where we've been like, well, don't think too much about yourself. Except the truth is, is like, I need to interact with God, okay? And so it's not selfish to be self-examining. And, and being able to know, like, where's my heart? And, and, and part of my own conviction on that isn't just when I do it and things are well. It's when it's not happening and things aren't well. Yeah. Right? When it's not happening and feeling, like, spiritually dry and feeling spiritually apathetic and feeling just hyper-emotional and all of these different things. So my hope is, is one of the things that will continue to grow in more and more and more. And here's the truth of the matter is there's no age like range on this. And I'm not talking about people who are older. I'm talking about people who are younger, right? I mean, because there are kids sitting in here who are in elementary school and middle school and high school. And there, it's, it's still okay to go, I'm just going to have some time to sit there and, and, and be quiet and talk with God. But also, like, try to figure out why am I doing the things that I'm doing, right? How, what do the scriptures teach about this? And we don't have to do it by ourselves either, right? And so... We're, we're wrapping all of this up, and I wonder if Peter were to walk in here, and, and I know that there's different, like, there's some theologians in here, and you're going, but Keith, 
these books that's debatable and Peter is actually the author of these books and we can kind of go and, and I'm just going to ask you to just set that aside, okay? Because what I want to talk about is if Peter were to come in not having a theological debate on whether or not he was actually the writer of these things, but if he were to come in, what would be the story that he tells us? Or if he were to sit down with us somewhere, maybe he were to sit down with us at All In Coffee Shop or at TGI Fridays or something like that. And if we were to able to, be, to sit down with Peter and go, hey, just talk to me a little bit. Like I've read these letters. Okay, like give me the overview. And, and it's helpful to, in our own mind, to have a little bit of I think I'm the least creative person in the world. I just, I'm not good. I'm not creative about those things, but we can still have an imagination. I think imagination is a good thing. And to imagine what would Peter be talking to me about? And as I was kind of putting this together, uh, these are just some, some thoughts we're going to go through here and see where we are. Here's the first one. First and foremost, and again, it just doesn't do this any good to just say this statement. It's like this has to be something we're embodying is Peter starts out his writings with this idea of man, his people, God's people are not citizens of the world. They're not citizens of the United States of America or Canada or England or in any of the countries in Africa or Asia or any of those places is Jesus followers are citizens of his kingdom. And here's why digging a little deeper matters because you may have sat in church your whole life and thought, well, yeah, everyone knows that. Like we've said the words about kingdom and except there's something so rich and life-changing about this term of being citizens in his kingdom. Yeah. Because if we haven't figured it out yet, I would guess almost all of us here have figured out like the world's trying to figure itself out and it's failed for centuries. Okay, at some point, my hope is, is that everyone in the world will go, wow, Man, the only answer to what we have going on in the world is to become a citizen of his kingdom. And he's going to ask all of us to be repentant of how we think about things, okay? But it's this perfect, beautiful kingdom. And we talked a little bit about it last week. But can you imagine Peter even challenging us with that and going, hey, man, Keith, Steve, Roxanne, Paris, whoever, like, are you living like a citizen of his kingdom or does it more look like kind of just being caught up in this world's systems and this world's ways, right? You know, he says that times of suffering are going to come because of the simple fact that we live inside of this kingdom. All right. Everybody on earth will face good days and bad days and suffering and, and elation and all of these things. But he's saying like in this kingdom, there will actually be suffering because of the fact that we are living in his kingdom. And so, again, these are just, just high 30,000 foot view of what Peter has shared with us over these, you know, six or seven chapters or so. Um, and he reminds us that we have to be diligent. In fact, he says, make every effort. He says, be diligent to live as kingdom people. And last week, one of the things that I referred to that I hope is helpful is, well, what is a kingdom person? What do kingdom people look like and live like? And we get a really nice condensed lesson kind of package in the Sermon on the Mount. 
And it's really easy to take those kind of bits and pieces, except when you take it as a community, when you take it as a kingdom people who are living with one another in a way that is constantly like, uh, like just respectful of one another, loving one another, serving one another, even when bad things happen, it's like, okay, I'm not going to retaliate against that. Right? I mean, so living in this kingdom, but he reminds us to be diligent to live as kingdom people. And that's always going to be a challenge for every one of us. There's never going to be a time to go, man, I've reached that. I'm perfect at it. It's because every day, and we all experience it today, right? There are things and circumstances that have happened that have challenged my view and your view of, and am I going to decide to live in a kingdom way, right? And so here's, I'm going to try to bring this all together in something that's been really beginning to, let me say this, it's beginning to be helpful, okay? It's like part of this, of, the, of tying some of these together, okay? And um, there we go. Uh, he says this thing, you can turn to 1 Peter 5, and it's like this verse right here, and it's a little bit hidden, except I don't think it's hidden as much as we just read over it really quickly, okay? 1 Peter 5, verse 5, and he says, all of you clothe yourself He's talking about elders and shepherds, and he talks about the young men submitting themselves to the elders. And then he goes on, he says, all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on him, because he cares about you. And there's this, that little word, right, that's highlighted there, that word humble or humility. It's sometimes it's even one of those areas, and I've done this before, where we talk about humility and it's kind of something we giggle about a little bit. Like, oh yeah, being humble, like, yeah, that's great. Isn't that cute? You know? Man, look at the Christian church. They're trying to be humble and we never can be in all these things except... There's something so deep and so rich. There's something so amazing about this idea here, okay? And here's really the crux of it for me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. All right? This is like the anthem of our day. Come to me, all of you. This is Jesus talking. All of you, and I will give you rest. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart. All right, the king that we follow, right? The king who me and you are apprentices to. The one who we're learning to do life the way the king does life. Okay, he says he is gentle and humble in heart. And he said, you'll find rest for yourselves for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, and so obviously we've kind of brought this together um, if there was something to me in my mind as I tie all of this together, I'm going, there's something that will keep me from living this way. And, and it's simply put, it's pride. And we're going to dig into that in just a little bit. But as I've shared with you guys over the past few weeks, one of the things that I've been kind of navigating and do periodically is just seasons of depression, okay? And I don't know, I didn't pass this in front of all the mental health counselors before I said this statement, okay? But I'm about to say something here that I'm going to say is true for me. I may completely ruin people here, 
Um, but here's what I will say. Living with depression, learning how to be a disciple in that season is one of the major <clears throat> contributors in my life to this is pride. I'm not even going to look on this side of the room. I'm not going to look on this side of the room. They're going, oh my goodness. I can't believe he said that. Okay. But let me phrase it even maybe another way. Is everything in my mind convinces me to not be humble when I'm struggling with depression. Everything in my mind is convincing me to say, no, you can't trust anybody. And nobody will ever understand and you, you, listen, don't say those things and don't make yourself look a certain way and all of these things. And, and, and probably no self-respecting counselor or psychologist would ever traits a, a depressed person in and go, you're just prideful. Okay. But I'm, here's just what I'm saying. And I'm not saying it because I want you to do something. Okay. Just be, let me be very honest. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not trying to get you to do something different. I don't have some kind of like preacher trick here that I'm trying to like, man, if I can talk to them about this, they'll go and do really good stuff. Okay. I'm saying if we're going to come under the lordship of Jesus as king, like this has to be real. This idea of humility in Jesus has got to be addressed in every single one of us. And I'm just sharing from like my side of things like this season. Okay. And some of you may be coming from seasons of amazing prosperity and happiness and joy and all of those things. But nonetheless, like when he's telling us, like all of you, like come under the power of Jesus with humility. I'm not sure if me and you, and again, if I don't want to speak for you, I'll speak for me here. Spend enough time like really zeroing in and going, hold on a minute. What is, what, what is everything inside of me telling me that simply would be called pride? Right? It simply would be a lack of humility. Okay? Because here's the interesting thing. One of the things that makes me frustrated and angry and upset when I'm really not like in a good mental health place is when people begin asking me like, well, is that true? Like, is what you're feeling true? Well, that makes me angry. Well, why? Like, and so again, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying, though, that the word of God is, re is very clear about us having a posture of humility. And that begins with a digging out of some things that I think every one of us in here must take a look at. OK, we've got to. I doubt that any one of us, if, if you were forced to come up here one at a time and stand in front of everybody and you're forced to say, I am humble. OK, now here's what don't. Don't hear what I'm not saying either, okay? Is I think that it's not one of those things that we have to constantly be like, oh man, I'll never, like I can never be that way, okay? But I think it's one of those ideals and principles that is best not looked at sometimes because it might reveal some things inside of me and you. So when I hear about Peter writing about being a kingdom person and I write and I hear about Peter being somebody who says, hey, beware, there's suffering coming. There's going to be injustice happening in your life. These things are coming. But he even says this. And, and by the way, Jesus is coming back. Therefore, what kind of people ought, ought we to be? Right. Like he's being very clear, like, hey, all these circumstances will happen. But bringing ourselves underneath, like being humble towards one another, being humble towards God. Proverbs 22, the result of humility, the, the result of humility is the fear of the Lord. All right. Yeah. 
This is one of those things, again, if you're visiting and you, you haven't heard me preach before, you're going, does this guy do anything where he's going to give us an answer? You know, is, I, listen, I'm just, my, I want to put it on a plate and here you go. And every one of us is going to take this back to our small groups and to our families and to our own prayer lives and go, hold on a minute, what on earth did that mean when this joker in Proverbs wrote this? Okay? And, and I'm going to tell you, if we do this by ourselves, we will make up our own story. Okay? We all become, every one of us, we are armchair theologians by ourselves. Right? There's some that are here and you're going, oh, what he doesn't mean is he doesn't mean fear like this. Now, my question is, how do you know? Okay, some of you do know. But some of you are telling yourself a story that you have no idea is to be true. All right? Because we can be armchair theologians and go, hold on a minute. The result of humility is fear of the Lord. Wow. Okay, let's help kind of that train of thought get going. Well, the fear of the Lord, like where would that come from? From the perfect, beautiful, all-powerful King Jesus that we go, oh my goodness. When, when I understand that I'm, I'm a speck, and I think God made me a pretty good speck, I think that's okay. I don't have to be self-loathing to be humble, okay? I don't have to beat myself up to be humble. I think I'm a good speck, but I'm just a speck, okay? And go like, oh man, come Golly, the fear of the Lord, the awe of all of these things. As he's saying, this is the result of that. He actually, the, the guy writing this, whether it's Solomon or whoever, is saying there's something that actually will result, like we'll know when we're like coming under truly the lordship of our king. There's going to be this progressive growing of the fear and the awe. It's very similar to what Steve read today of going, wow. I mean, like the awe of 24 elders, like bowing down and, a, and six winged creatures and eyeballs all over the place and people singing, hope, go, that is overwhelming. That is overwhelming, okay? But there's going to be this progression to this, okay? It's not a snapshot. You don't go, okay, I became humble on Sunday afternoon at 3.57 p.m. and I immediately began fearing the Lord. Okay? Listen, we're talking about growing. We're talking about maturing here, okay? It's a process. But he says this is the result of it, just to give us an idea. Uh, Paul wrote, don't do anything out of rivalry or conceit, okay? And let me just ask you this. And I, again, I don't want to speak for anybody else. I, I can tell you the number of times when Rivalry and conceit has fueled me as a disciple. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, somebody better not look better than me. Yeah. Like, I'm not giving credit to somebody because then people will think I'm not that great. Okay? Is when I look at these things, I'm going, wow, man, Paul was so good at capturing these thoughts. Because he's just, essentially, everyone is describing what it is to live as kingdom people. All right? And so this is a, a vital part in this definition of humility, of do nothing out of rivalry or conceit. He says, but there's another way. And that other way is in humility, consider others as more important than yourself. Okay? And so... 
Here's the tough thing, okay? We start telling ourselves lies about this, all right? Well, if I do that, then I'm not going to have any time to myself. Because we're automatically thinking like, well, okay, well, you know, Steve's going to ask me to go do this. And I said, boy, more important than me. So, you know, and, and all of these kind of, and, and then Luke is going to want me to go do something else. And so he's going to have a flat tire, I'm going to have a fix, you know. And like, man, we're, we're just, we're missing it. This is just a plain old humble, like, posture in front of all of us is we walk, and, and I'm telling you, okay, here's where I'm coming at from my own season, right? Is this is completely foreign to my mindset when I'm all in my own head, right? Because I'm looking around being hypersensitive about what's everybody else doing and what aren't they doing. Right. And why aren't they doing it the way I want them to do it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is that happening, okay? That sounds an awful lot more like rivalry and conceit rather than humility, yeah. right? And so again, I'm looking at that going, you know what, and, and I'm, I'm not joking, man, like there's an immediate change when I start looking at this and going, hold on a minute, if I simply begin looking at people differently, like just in my own mind, and going, okay, how can my posture be something in my, like, where I'm at? How can that be a little bit different to where I'm going, man, I really love the people in front of me. I really love how they are, and, and they're not perfect, and I'm not perfect. And having that idea of going, man, you want to know what? Of, of truly, like, no, they're, they are more important. All right? And that's, that, that almost immediately changes stuff in my head. Okay, now what I'm not saying is I don't push that button and it stays that way forever. It's like I gotta train my mind. I've gotta be meditating on these things. I've gotta be thinking about these. These have to be like the average like way that my mind goes around things. But it's that idea of asking myself, hold on, is this a spirit of rivalry? Am I upset with people or frustrated or easily angered because somebody's not doing what I want them to do or something like that? Or is there actually a spirit of you are more important than I am. And that's a community of people. That's not just a one person thing. Okay. And so you start seeing what an amazing community this is as we live this out, as we grow, right? Because that is another theme that Peter writes over and over is he expects that we'll be growing, that we'll be maturing, that we aren't staying the same, right? This is John the Baptist here, uh, John 3, verse 27. Um, I love this. This is one of my favorites. It's kind of a correlation of the last verse. John responded, no one can receive a single thing unless it's given to him from heaven. I mean, that's what a great mantra of humility. It's the idea of going, man, okay, I'm a speck, and I'm kind of a good speck down here, and I'm trying to do good things for God, but I don't have anything unless it's given to me from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. (laughs) So this joy of mine is complete. He must increase and I must decrease. Okay. Now, again, it's not one of those things where it's like I have to like just fade into the woodwork, but it's the idea of how we interact with one another. How we interact with our world is this idea of what's most important. Is it that the world understands and people understand, our families understand the greatness of Jesus and the word? Man, when we hear his voice, 
He said, then the joy is mine and it's complete now. Right? And going, man, that's what we get to do. But he has to increase. That's progressive. That's one of those things where continually he's got to become more and we've got to become less. We've got to become less in so many ways, but like just shrinking down, right? And so he's who is seen. He who is, he's heard. He's magnified. He's shared with. That will go a long way. Even as we hold out the word of God to people, okay? It's really easy to get into a Bible study with somebody and tell them all the things that we think they should be doing. Okay? How about we decrease and he increases? How about rather than, hey, let me tell you what you should be doing and how you should be not doing, I were to go, here's what our king says right here, and it's good. Okay? And so you have this idea here, okay? So here's what is, I'm just sharing this, okay? Humility allows for listening. We live, I mean, truthfully, I spoke last week about kind of our, our propped up selves, you know, kind of like the, the facade that we put in front of ourselves. In the church, the facade that can come up most often, okay? And if you think automatically, oh, he's talking about me, you're, you're wrong. This is a church thing, okay? It's a Clemson Foothills church thing, and it's probably a church thing in other places, but it's this idea of, the pecking order almost always comes down to, let me tell you what I know. Right. Like, if I can tell you what I know, then that must mean I know more. Therefore, I am better. Therefore, I am... Okay, you may not be thinking all that, but that's what the... All, that sounds very much like rivalry and conceit. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Right? It's the question of going, man, there is something so much, and, and, and does anybody else have this where you'll have somebody talking to you, and they're saying something, and the entire time they're talking, you have on your mind what you will say when they stop talking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I already know what I'm going to say. You know, and, and we can do our kind of spiritual righteousness of going, oh, listening, I'm just waiting. You know? It's like Mike Tyson. You're just waiting. You know? It's like you close your mouth and it's coming in, okay? And so, I'm going, here's, this is one of those things for me, is uh, are people allowed to talk where me and you, we don't have anything to say after that? Okay, that doesn't have to be always, okay? I know there's husbands in here going, I do that all the time. <laughs> okay, you're like, great. I am so humble already. Okay? But, but the idea of going, listen, you got to have something to say sometime. Okay? But the idea of going, man, let me just not do that. Okay? This is, humility breeds faith. Right? Humility requires that we go, man, I, I require God to be and do and be all-encompassing in everything. So I have to trust what he's telling me. So that's why this, this one principle, this one characteristic of humility is so vital to us being able to take a text like First and Second Peter and actually that it becomes us. Right? And this is why it's so vital because we're able to go, oh, I don't have to let everyone know that I know everything about everything. And I can listen, and, I, and maybe, just maybe, in all of that, the Holy Spirit will speak. 
breeds faith. Humility allows for our strongholds to come down. All right, that's another thing. In my imagination, when I think of a stronghold, right, in the, in the Psalms, do you remember the writers of Psalms oftentimes will talk about God being a stronghold or a refuge, right? A rock or a shelter or something like that. But me and you, we put up our own, like, facade in front of us. And so, like, I picture in my mind oftentimes this idea of my strongholds being like, you know, they're like medieval times, you know, as you got this stone wall and you've got archers, they're like shooting on anybody that's trying to get in. Okay? But here's what humility does it goes, hey, you want to know what? That wall can come down in that. Like, you don't need the archers shooting, but what if bad people come in? Listen, that's part of faith of entrusting yeah. ourselves to God. Yeah. Bad people came to Jesus. Yeah. Right? Like, He didn't tell us, like, hey, protect yourself. Right? He actually said, no, give yourself. Right? That, that's, that's the point in many of the writings in the Sermon on the Mount. And so the strongholds are able to go, man, that part of me that's going, I can't say this thing because, because I'm going to have to defend myself because they're going to come at me or they're whatever our imagined thing is, right? Is humility goes, you know what? This can come down and I can trust that God actually can be my stronghold. Like I can actually let him be that. And so I wonder, again, these are big principles that have to be kind of nibbled on over time. But this is what, in my life, practically speaking, over time, these are the things that humility embraces grace. Like all of us in here, you're going, hey, I, I wish we heard more about grace. I love grace. I love, except we have made grace the wrong thing. And it doesn't, if we say it's something it's not, and we like what it isn't. We think that grace is going, oh man, he's forgiven me. All right? That is so, so small. Okay. Grace is, is that in all of our kind of working and all of that is, he has given us everything and continues to do that. From strength to conviction to perseverance and endurance, like all of those things. But it's hard to acknowledge those. If we're stuck in a way of going, I got this. And um, this idea of eradicating competitiveness in comparison. Right? That's a killer in a church. That's a killer in the kingdom. Yeah. It's going, man, I, my worth comes from comparing myself and looking around, man, he must be awesome. And look at how good you are. And wow, I wish I was better than that. And all of those different things. And Humility goes, man, we don't need that. Actually, God has put us together in a way that we actually all together can help one another. Yep. But it's really, really, really tough to do that. And like I said, I mean, this is one of those things. It, it gets in my own head and prevents me. And so this idea of even the thoughtfulness of humility, I'm going, okay, hey, it's not so bad. Like it's not so bad. Circumstances aren't so bad. Things aren't so bad. Whatever you're anxious about, it's not so bad, not because they go away, but because we realize, man, there's people, and this is good, and there's not a rivalry, and there's not contentiousness, and there's not comparativeness. This is good. This is really good, all right? And so these are the things, okay? So here are some questions. We're going to go into our prayer groups this week. We're going to go home. We're going to go in our quiet time. Just a few questions, just again, do you have to answer all these? No, but you're probably not a Christian if you don't. <laughs>
Um, you can take a picture of this. Stefan likes me to pose in front of it. <laughs> Even when you feel strongly about something, are you still aware that you could be wrong? Hey man, I'm just telling you, this is just a question. I mean, <laughs> that's a good question. You know, it's one of those ones going, man, you know what? Uh, oftentimes, as disciples, we're like, what I know is never wrong. And, and we say things like, but it's in the Bible. But there's lots of things in the Bible. And we can take things out of context like anybody. Even when you feel strong. Are you willing to listen and consider biblical correction? I waited for this for the end, right? The C word of correction. Have you ever said this as an adult? Why are they treating me like a child? Has any other, has any other adult ever talked to you like a child? Okay? We often do that. I do that as well. And go, hold on, man. you wonder what's interesting? As an apprentice of Jesus, correction is vital. Is vital and biblical correction for sure, right? And and what's great, it would be fantastic if every ounce of biblical correction just came out of my own quiet time. Except there's a crazy thing that's happened is my brothers and sisters have been given the Holy Spirit too and a Bible. And going, you know, correction can come from that, and that's a good thing. Okay. Have you ever been proud of being humble? You don't. T we don't ever tell anyone about that, but you feel it, right? But I'm like, I was so humble. And you want to know what? Here's the truth of the matter: is okay. Let me just let me take a little weight up. That's not entirely bad. Here's why I say that. Okay, is this idea of we can we can learn kind of a false sense of humility of going, man, I've never once in my life ever been humble. Oh my goodness, I'm so bad. Oh, it's horrible. Stefan thinks that's right. It's not right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, we, can, we can kind of do the false sense of going, man, you know, you know how bad I am. I just want to be humble. You know, and you're like, man, that sounds great. Except there are times with the Holy Spirit inside of us, we should go, yeah, that was great. The Spirit made me humble. Like, that's good. You don't have to avoid it. That's a good thing, okay? So, examine this on your own. Think of a recent time you became defensive when someone disagreed with you. So, what was going on with that? All right? Just, just again, just some thoughts to think about. Do you reserve the right to change your mind? I like that one. You know, hey, there are things we all learn, right? But there are things that I teach today that five years ago I was like, oh man, I had to grow and mature and learn things. But it's okay to reserve the right to change my mind. Or do I feel weak or ashamed to change a strongly held opinion? Right? I don't know. What do you think is needed to become increasingly humble? You're on a roll, my man. Every time I ask a question, humble, pride, Jesus, kingdom. Are you doing a crossword puzzle? Just don't. You're good. 
I'm gonna stop. Let's stop right there, okay? That was probably way too much, way too too uh, too much stuff there. But um, again, hopefully this will make itself known in our prayer groups this week. Hopefully this will make our make itself known in our families this week to just be able to take these things and pray about them, and and it gives us a great opportunity maybe to share some things that we haven't been able to do that. So. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.